This is a Capricorn FM podcast. We mentioned earlier that we will be talking to uh, Mutladzi Mulefe, who's the CEO of Legal Legal rather Practitioners Fidelity Fund. We have him on the line. Mutladzi, how are you? Hi. How are you? I'm well and you. We are good. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. We really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Mr. Mutladzi, getting um, straight into it, I mean... Um, in your experience as a practitioner, do people normally feel intimidated um, like when they're interacting with you as a lawyer? I don't think it is so much intimidation. I think it's more the question that when people go to lawyers, they mm. are basically either seeking advice, probably mm. because they have no knowledge, or they are in trouble. And because of that scenario, generally, it tends to skew the relationship into a situation where you might think it's intimidation, but it's more the circumstances that dictate what the atmosphere is like. Mm. Okay. And then under such circumstances, what are some of the mistakes that people make because of this feeling that you just described, whether it's desperation or the lack of knowledge or just needing help at that particular moment? What are some of the mistakes that are made? I think the most fundamental mistake really is to look at a lawyer firstly as someone that you shouldn't trust. Um, I think when you go to someone seeking advice, you always expect to be given advice at an expert level. But there are certain things that are fundamentally what you should be doing or knowing. One of which is to understand whether the person giving you advice as a legal practitioner is in fact authorized to do so, is in fact a properly registered legal practitioner, and is in fact compliant with the rules of the regulator, which would be the Legal Practice Council. So those are things that people should not be making mistakes about. They should be actually upfront Mm. about, asking about, and knowing and getting answers on. I like the way you mentioned that um, in terms of people um, asking about, you know, um, everything legal. But there are many stories um, to share about uh, being scammed by lawyers. And in reality, we don't have the time to ask about, uh, like, you know, your certifications, Mm. um, especially when we're consulting with the lawyers. You know, I mean, what are my highlighted rights as a citizen approaching a law firm or like... um, the services of a lawyer, you know, because as I said, it really gets tough when I have to like ask you for, for that, for accreditation, if I may say such. Yeah. I think it's very, very, very easy. And I find it very difficult sometimes to understand why people would feel intimidated or not ask about the accreditation of anyone. I'm sure when you go to a doctor, you actually want to know that you're dealing with a doctor. But the easiest of all things, which a member of the public would actually do to ensure that they feel protected is to ask the practitioner Mm. if they are in fact in possession of a valid Fidelity Fund certificate Mm. for that particular year. Because that would then tell you that, that the lawyer concerned is in good standing with the Legal Practice Council, which is the regulator at that point in time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mutlatsi, what happens when I've been scammed, especially in issues of payouts? You know, is there a way that I can know that the lawyer gave me um, the money that I was supposed to get? I mean, obviously, there should be some documentation that clearly states um, uh, the amount that came out and the amount that went to the lawyer and the amount that's coming to me. The rules of professional conduct are very, very clear. 
When, for instance, I'll make you a simple example. Let's say it's been a an RAF matter and there has been a settlement. It is expected by the regulator through its rules that the practitioner concerned will render a proper account to you, meaning specifically what he needs to do is to set out the details of what he did and the charges concerned for each activity on that account. And if you are dissatisfied, you are free to have that text in the first place. And if you are still unhappy, you could always refer the matter to the Legal Practice Council, which has got a committee that deals Mm. with matters of that nature. So at the end of the day, you, you do have avenues to approach and use in order to ensure that nobody is actually scamming you. All right. Um, we, we actually have a question um, right here. Um, it's from Silo, and he's like, um, afternoon team and advocate Molefe. Advocate, according to the law, how many or how much percent should both the lawyer and the victim get from RAF payouts? Um, even the application become, should the application become successful because lawyers are giving the victims the smaller percentage or sometimes not give them at all? Well, first thing I have to do is to correct the title. I'm not an an advocate, I'm an attorney. Um, The second thing that I have to point out is that in the past, there was a practice in terms of which there would be what we call contingency fees. Mm. And the contingency fee was up to 25% of the settlement that you receive at the end of any matter. But the current situation in law is If and when there is a settlement, they have got to render an account to you first and foremost, even before you talk about a contingency fee of a particular percentage. And in fact, it is controlled by the Contingency Fees Act. So they cannot go up front and actually have an agreement with you fixing it at a particular amount unless they would be able to show that in fact they are entitled to that fee. All right, um, Mutlatsi Mulefe, thank you so much for your time and coming through to shed some light on this, um, you know, very important discussion that Mm. we're having today. We really do appreciate it. Thank you for your time. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.